My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? Waters of the Bible Belt, where faith in God, church, and community reign supreme. A resilient occult spirit lies hidden to most, but not all. Whether seeker or unwitting subject, strange situations arise in the South. Secret covens, dark rites, and unknown groups residing in liminal spaces and out of sight. Those unacquainted may imagine Salem witches over cauldrons or Bohemian Grove bonfires, and not warlocks and witches with southern pride and hospitality. Our guest today, though, is familiar, dabbling in this darkness at a young age, finding a way out through the church, then pivoting further to understand Jesus and the Christian mysteries. With us today is the music maker, rhyme sayer, Christian mystic, truth seeker. Joining me, Mystic Mark, on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Thank you for tuning into this episode with the truth seeker. watches of the night that that different spirits would would get access to the world and to humanity and many times where where jesus would when a certain phase of the moon would come they would stay up all night and they would pray and meditate through the night and make sure that their bodies don't go to sleep so they would consciously be meditating and the disciples weren't trained in, uh, as good in it and so many of them would 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 go to sleep because they were essentially fasting sleep and it would open you up to different experiences in different realms. That's why many people on crystal meth experience weird places in between the, the worlds and see beings, usually demonic entities. The drug is one thing, but also fasting sleep, not sleeping for five days on end. And so even with that notion, that there was some of that that was going on in the Bible and them articulating it in codes with what's called the watches of the Lord, with phases of the moon throughout the night. So I'm Truth Seeker. I do uh, spiritual and esoteric hip hop. I'm a podcaster. 
been podcasting starting out around 2009 when we called them radio shows on blog talk radio and just kind of uh, getting better, evolving it and stepping into consistency, which makes anything successful. So probably 2017 booking uh, 2017, 2018, two shows a week and then being able to snowball it and take it to the next level, put out a book. I'm an author. Um, I have so many hats that I wear. I do guided meditations, all that cool stuff. Uh, consider myself a Christian mystic, uh, my foundation, um, to spirituality in a, in a good way, I would say is, uh, Christianity, but it began to snowball as my, my studies begin to, to go a lot deeper and, um, find out a lot of, a lot of mystical practice within the Bible. And I'm still finding it. And that's so that's something that a big part of what I bring to the table, kind of like articulating the spirituality of the Bible and then the syncretism of how it matches up with so many other uh, spiritual practices uh, around the world. Wow. Brilliant stuff, man. And yeah, I, I have checked out your work and I like what you're doing. It looks like you're, you're building a community down there, which is really cool considering, you know, me from New England, we have all kinds of crazy ideas of what the South is, even though half of us have never even been there. So to see that there are so many open-minded people in your community, you're, you're bringing them together. We need more of that. You know, no matter where you are, there are people who are seeing this from all different lenses, angles, this sort of uh, mass awakening, you know, and it comes in all different shades. But I heard you discussing this in your Q&A, like, yeah, you know, that people are like, oh, maybe it's the algorithm. And you're like, I think it's just people are waking up. And that's why this yeah. show is catching on. And and kudos to you, brother, because you've been putting in the work. And, and I'm glad to see that more people are are seeing what you're doing. When did this all start for you? Have you always been a Christian and then found rapping? Or was it more like you went to rap and then Christianity came in? Or where, where does this part, because I, I get a very grounded sense from you, because a lot of people, you know, they talk about the occult and all this stuff, but it's not grounded in religion. You know, you, you have a perspective and, and you're not just telling people about this so they can be informed. I feel like I'm, I'm listening to someone who's, you know, guiding people. And you do actually have what, like a sort of a, almost like a church service, right? Your, your community live streams and whatnot. So I sense the mission. When did this start brother? Yeah. Um, you know, I think what, um, really sparked a, a lot of this stuff was a experience when I was a kid. Uh, I remember at four years old, waking up in the middle of the night and having those, uh, shadow being experiences. And just remember waking up with these big black shadows pinning me down to the bed, one on each side of my, my chest on my shoulders. And, and I felt them there and I could kind of see this blur on both sides. It was very scary. I was a little kid, didn't know what to make of it, but that it stuck with me. It stuck with me with like uh, decision-making with uh, uh, what movies we wanted to rent on a Friday night. You know, I would go towards the horror or the uh, supernatural thriller stuff. And, uh, um, the, the, even ghost stories, telling ghost stories as a teenager and an adolescence, I would always try to find ways to weave that in. Hey, have you guys ever woke up and seen a shadow in your room? You know, and I'm just kind of dropping hints on it. Um, and people would say, yeah, my dad had it happen to him and this is what happened. Or someone would else would say a, a little man walks in the room wearing a top hat and stands and watches him in the door. These weird experiences that I'm like, wow, there's something to it. So, um, I think that that experience at four, you know, shifted me into that kind of stuff. 
maybe even the music that I was listening to as a teenager, um, the uh, fascination with the occult and with witchcraft uh, at an early age. So, which came with the music, a lot of the darker stuff, whether it was darker rap music or, or, you know, metal and stuff like that, that I was listening to. So um, I met a, I met a warlock at, um, at the age of uh, 13 who started like training me and my, uh, my friends and, and, and the occult. And he was an older dude and he was like, he had power. We're just, you know, these, you know, know these books, like this guy could summon entities, bro. And I ended up stealing something from him. And he summoned this uh, entity on me that he had a protection spell. Hmm. And um, I seen it physically show up and uh, look like a eight foot tall camel or a horse thing. And it ran past me. My cousin knocked us down and um, that drove me even deeper into witchcraft and the occult at an early age because I was like, I can get good. I can learn how to summon these spirits to go and um, get my belongings back and and torment people and do these things. So that opened up a big door for me. just now, for for people to, people who might not be so familiar, can you ex, you know describe where you grew up? Because I think there's a certain magic to rural areas that people in suburbs and cities just don't connect to as easily. Is that true for you? Were you in like a more rural community, or at least was this warlock in a more rural community? Yeah, yeah. It's more in, we're in the you know in the Bible Belt, so even stepping into any of that kind of stuff was kind of taboo. Mm, but, yeah, of course. You know, I will say that um, when I was a, a child, like you know, I grew up in New Orleans, so okay. you have candle magic, you have voodoo, and all of these things, which were which were normal to my family. Mm. Um, putting spells on people was normal. Um, having uh, crazy parties were normal, and if we look at this spirituality or, or the spirits associated with any of that stuff, anything that's negative, anything that's, you know what I'm saying? Lower nature, there's lower beings that are associated with it. Just like you have higher beings that are associated with love and gratitude and kindness and forgiveness and those things. So, uh, you know, very um, impressionable of having weird spirits walk into your bedroom after your parents are having some type of binger with all these strange people in the house doing coke and all kinds of drugs and now the, the entity walks in there and messes with your kid so that's kind of what i you know what, what we grew up in and um but yeah this was you know mostly in the woods you know mostly in the woods and in uh, uh places where there was nothing to do so we got into witchcraft or you get into drugs or you get into things when you're bored you know so that's one thing i've noticed that uh even in the in the in the um you know places of the world that um you know, a little bit behind and there's not a lot of people. So, yeah. And I think that's unfair for, for people to, you know, make any sorts of stereotypes, but in a positive sense, I think we could agree that there is a sort of stereotype that places that are more rural tend to have this sort of mystical appeal. And even the people who live in these places tend to have a sort of secret or maybe just private system of beliefs and it varies from place to place but that's interesting you mentioned the contrast between like going from new orleans to alabama and you know new orleans is a pretty wild place compared to the bible belt was this a part of because i I, like i said i get a, a strong sense that you're not someone who wants to play around with these occult beings anymore it sounds like you 
you did this when you were younger and realized like, whoa, 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 I need to put the brakes on this. Were there any events that happened that, you know, made you think like, wow, this is not good, you know, because I've had kind of weird little experiences from reading Aleister Crowley's books that made me like put those books down. And to this day, I do not, you know, I have them on my shelf, but I did not like read them with the same energy I did back then. But were there any cases like that that made you fearful of the occult? Yeah. Um, so in t- um, 1998, um, ended up going to a prayer meeting and um, with with a with a, a friend of mine who was like an older brother type who was living with his family, and he'd always invite me to church. I never wanted to go. He wanted to invite me to prayer meetings. I didn't want to go to that. I was into the darker stuff. And uh, he said, well, you should come to this uh, prayer meeting because there's going to be a prophet there. I said, well, what's a prophet? He said, a prophet's kind of like a Christian psychic. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Why not? I'll go go to that. So he taught me into going with him. And so I go there and there's this, it's just at this prayer meeting at this, uh, in this apartment. And there's just like a bunch of people in there and they're praying and um, they've got beautiful like worship music on real, like heavenly soft music singing to God. And people were People were like in a trance, like people had their eyes closed and their hands raised and they weren't there. Like I was just sitting as a, on the couch, like as a dude, and I'm just looking around like, this is strange. Cause like when it's time to pray or time for us to sing, they all kind of like, they checked out and they were like in the spirit communing with God and stuff. And I felt the peace in that atmosphere. And someone uh, came and sat down next to me on the couch and asked me if I wanted to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I, I said, yeah, like, I don't want him to hold him against me. Sure. And so he prayed with me, but it was a prayer to like ask Christ to come into my life, forgive me and and that prayer. But when I said it and I repeated after him and I meant it, like I just started shaking and vibrating and like this immense, like heat came into me and it began to like go throughout my whole body and felt like I was on fire and I just started weeping and crying. I felt like it was cleansing me, like all the wrong that I had ever done was being erased and it was purifying, it was amazing, heavenly, like drug encounter kind of thing, like felt better than any drug that I had ever done at that age. And um, it was amazing. And it was called, they call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I like received upon profession of just asking. And it usually doesn't work like that, but it did for me. Um, so I did the Christian thing for several months because I was new to the city and I didn't know anybody except the Christians. Um, when I got into school, kind of fell away, sort of hanging out with the people, you know, who were partying and listening to, to the old music and stuff again. And it didn't last long for me walking as a Christian, just a couple months. And that's when I got introduced to the occult and then to the warlock and then started going really deep. Hmm. He would teach us these things. And um, I, I begin to practice, like take it seriously. I'd pick his brain for hours and and have the intrigue about summoning spirits and working with uh, demons and or any spirit really that wanted to come through. And so I ended up like doing a bunch of rituals and spells out of all of those books because none of them would work. Like I had the encounter with Jesus, right? This Holy Spirit encounter. I knew that was real, but maybe this was real. So let me try this and uh, kind of did all that stuff. And then none of it worked and no, no sightings, no experiences until um, after months and months, they all worked at the same time. And like this portal opened up in my life where these beings would pull me into a trance uh, mid-conversation. 
I was sitting on the couch with my girlfriend and they would pull me in and I'd go pale. I would stop breathing and I'd just start crying, but I would see shapes and colors and voices and people. And they're all trying to talk to you at the same time. And like this, they see you as somebody who's susceptible to that realm. And they're all trying to get your attention at once. And I'm freaked out of my mind and I come back to my body and catch my breath and I'm totally freaked out and it wasn't fun. Uh, but it lasted for a couple of weeks of that just happening at will. And then my health started to go downhill, coughing up blood, malnourished, not eating, smoking pot and drinking. And uh, man, it was, it was, uh, it was, I started going schizophrenic. Those voices would, would torment me. They would speak to me. I'm psychic abilities were at 100. I knew things about random people. I knew who they, 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 they just had an affair with someone. I knew that they were judging me when they looked at me. I knew everything and it was everyone. And that's schizophrenia, like a hundred percent. And, um, and I was going crazy and I was 14 when this was happening. And so I remembered the peace that I had, you know, of that prayer meeting and, and Jesus and singing and bliss and a peace of my mind. I felt like entities were trying to take my mind from me. And if I was to tell anybody, I'd be put in a straitjacket or on medication. So I ended up um, getting to that place of torment and uh, hitting rock bottom and saying, I got to go back. I got to, I got to get my stuff together because this ain't going to end well at all. And so I kind of renounced all of that, asked my girlfriend to pray with me and uh, asked God to forgive me and um, woke up the next morning after having a fit and uh, threw everything away. Got like rid of all that stuff. And it was in September of 2000. So that's kind of like my conversion story to becoming a Christian. But then obviously where I am today, my uh, my walk has gotten a lot deeper. Um you know, I've kind of come full circle on a lot of those things to approach it um, with uh, with respect, you know, with um, with integrity versus I was robbing people, cheating, stealing, lying. I was doing all types of things that weren't conducive with tapping into the spirit world. And so I believe that when I tapped in conducive to the life that I was living, I saw the beings that I was entertaining. So um uh, that's why I refer to myself as a Christian mystic like that. Uh, that foundation is still my foundation of, of of love and of peace and of, you know, being a good person and those kind of things of of even the verbiage of Christianity, if you will. But the mystical experience is uh, very much um, not just confined to religion in Western Christianity, if you will. So that's who I am, why I approach it the way I do why it's real to me, all of those things. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, man. And, you know, for anybody who's new to you and your vibe, I think that's really important. That's why I always ask that when folks tune into this show, I want them to get a sense of who the guest is because we all have different walks of life. My family thinks I'm crazy for a variety of reasons. And it's, you know, in similar but also very dissimilar ways to your story so maybe i should ask you now does your family think you're crazy for doing what you're doing at this point in your life they probably thought you're a little nuts for the cult stuff if you if you didn't keep that a secret <laughs> but what about right now like how how do they feel about your your progress and like where you're at yeah um I, you know definitely when i was into the occult to the dark stuff yeah they thought i was crazy and um, all that. But then when I got myself straight, 
they all wanted to take credit for it. Like, oh, you know, we let him mm. live with us and, you know, we took care of him. And all these kind of, it's so funny to, to hear my grandmother and my mom try to like say who took credit. You know, they helped or whatever. So that, that was funny. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I've, man, I've, I'm successful at what I do. And, you know, definitely all of this has been mocked and scoffed over the years. And you've been called crazy. Uh, family, church family, for sure. Church family. Um, at when I was, you know, my awakening started to go deeper. I, I was a Christian rapper. So the rapping came in as a Christian, just a regular Christian guy and going through that experience, but, but very spiritual. Um, and, and once that began to open up a little bit deeper and have more mystical experiences or finding texts that were taken out of the Bible and mm. exploring that stuff, then, uh, you know, that, that shade definitely came from the Christian realm, because I was a, I was an evangelist. I was, uh, I traveled to, you know, speak and, and rap and, and tell that story, same story at churches all over, all over the uh, Southeast. And, uh, um, when you start now talking about angels or UFOs or magic mushrooms, eventually that stuff definitely gets you, um, excommunicated, made fun of, you're crazy. You're the UFO guy. You're all of these things. So, that was very hard, you know, going through that as a minister and as a, a Christian rapper. Um, and then you have to, am I going to own this? Like, am I going to where the research calls me? Am I going to where my spirit calls me? Or do I play it safe here as a Christian minister and renounce all of these things that they're saying that I'm getting back into? Like, True Seeker went back to witchcraft. True Seeker went back to the occult. And so in their mind, it's the same mm. demonic robbing like the same energy but it's not it's like all and i wanted uh, to i definitely wanted to ask you about that because it feels like for the uneducated observer there's a polarity between good and evil and you sort of kind of took that like darker road first went and turned towards the light but what's so cool is that when you turn towards the light you didn't turn your back on the rest of the world you know because i think a lot of people make that mistake to not integrate that understanding yep. of the dark into their understanding of the light and see where the two meet. It doesn't mean that we need to, you know, pray, you know, the Lord's prayer and then turn around and, and pray to the devil too. I'm not <laughs> suggesting yeah. that at all, but you know, having this gnosis is far more important. What do you think about that? Yeah, that comes with time. Like, mm. uh, I totally turned my back on it. Like, I had to get as far. Those things were trying to kill me, man. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to take my sanity away. So um, it was a form of PTSD for me. And so that lets me look at other people who, you know, have a similar experience when they renounce all of it and they just demonize yoga or incense or whatever it is. Um, there's many people who have a much larger platform than me that that come out doing those things and they influence a lot of people, but I did it too. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't be around incense because I would burn incense to try to work with demons. I couldn't smell marijuana because I would like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Marijuana like opened up weird stuff in my head too. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and all of that reminded me of the darkness. So I would be in situations where, you know, months later, because it wasn't easy. It wasn't just to shut the door and it's over. It, it took it took a long time to to get my mind back. Like I was, I was going insane. So I had to, 
Mm. But now I can look back at that version of myself or see that version of myself in other people with the grace that I expected people to have towards me. Um, but now, where am I at now? For sure. Like I'm now I'm thankful. I'm thankful to the creator, to God, um, for allowing me to experience that. Um, even more thankful that I made it out because not everybody makes it out. I know people that take their life in the midst of being hearing voices or that vo literally those voices telling them to do things that what, you know, they can't undo. And so, um, it's PTSD. You're, you're scared. It's like, I, I remember getting into a car accident, um, a couple of years ago and even just riding in a car right after it was like, Oh my God, we're getting on the interstate and we're going faster. And it was like, oh, you know, that kind of experience. So you could see somebody who had a traumatic experience like that and that connotation with it, um, that they project on it, not saying that all of it's that I definitely did it recklessly. And, um, yeah, so, but I've gone full circle. Mm. You know, I see those things in the Bible. I see those things. I've made peace with my demons. I'm thankful that they were assigned to me. Right. I'm thankful that they taught me a valuable lesson that an angel couldn't teach me mm. by any means. And that's, and that's what they, that's what they do. Yeah. That's the tricky thing for people is like this, you know, trial by fire. It doesn't mean fire is evil. You know, <laughs> fire does a lot of good for the world. It could do a lot of bad too. You know, it could like burn your whole house down and yeah. everything you have taken away. God forbid that ever happens to anybody. I hope it doesn't happen to anyone listening to this for yeah. sure. But you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that, you know, really, expresses the integrity that you have but also the determination in true learning right and i think that's what at the core religion is meant to do is to bring someone through a process of learning and teach them how to learn teach them how to be guided through their connection with the creator with divine consciousness however you deem that some people find other words to use but i'm very comfortable using the word God. And I don't agree with maybe everything that my Catholic priest taught me when I was in, uh, you know, catechism school, but I have a very strong sense of like, okay, this is, this is something that just is inherently true. Now, yeah. maybe switching gears a little bit on the point of you going full circle, you made the, the reference to like marijuana, opening up portals and whatnot. Have you tried since coming full circle, maybe marijuana or any psychedelics? Uh, and if so, like what kind of experiences did those bring on? Was it a challenge to face that again? Or, or, or were you sort of stepping into it on like a higher plane? Mm, both, I would say. So I think the, the first thing was for me was um, where you had to kind of get faced with that was alcohol. Let's like, uh, having a, a glass of wine, honestly, at communion at a church <laughs> gathering that we would meet with, um, uh, some messianic brothers and sisters and, and they would do communion and, and all the men would have a glass of wine and I would be with the women who mostly had grape juice or whatever, you know? And it was like, after, you know, weeks of doing that, like maybe I can have a glass of wine, you know, kind of thing. And so I remember just taking that first step of, cause in your head, like it's so the PTSD, man, it's like, when I drink this, those same demons that left me are coming back. Like, do you really want to open that door? But then do you really want to live in fear? Do you really want to think that this is going to happen? Or, and I remember taking that step and then kind of being okay. But even the taste of alcohol, it was, it was, 
it was a hard experience. And then, um, you know, but it, it, it was okay. And then, um, the marijuana thing years later, I tried to go back to, um, and I, I, I just couldn't, I've done it just a couple of times. Um, and, um, there's just, I get super paranoid. Like I did it every day as, as my brain was forming as an adolescence and, um, it was unhealthy. I, I, I experienced, uh, part of that stuff I think came from marijuana for me was I experienced DDD, um, depersonalization, derealization disorder, where you just feel like you're dead or you're in a dream of just smoking so much. And then something happens and it's like, I messed something up. Mm. I burned something out. They say, man, a dude's burn out. Oh, that's what they meant. I'm not, I'm not real that as an, as a 15 year old, you know, so coming out of that and now going back to it, you know, it, there's this, I get super paranoid and it's not, I feel like I'm dying yeah. a lot of times. So I was like, it's not fun, but psychedelics on the other hand, I, I did, uh, um, step into, uh, my relationship with, with psilocybin mushrooms, um, using a ceremonial fashion. I did never did mushrooms at a party or anything like that. So I didn't have a negative connotation. It was something new as I would approach the research and, and, uh, and, and hear about healing and, and those things that people were incorporating it and knowing that my ancestors did it and easing into it versus like, you know, just doing it recklessly. So, you know, that, that was a definitely a profound, uh, life-changing experience for me. It was a monumental experience, a hero dose of magic mushroom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a unique story, man. And I'm really grateful that you shared that because I think, you know, personally, I, I was lucky to be very like against drugs until 16, 17, I kind of warmed up to pot and I really didn't smoke as much as I do now. Then it wasn't until I had a job that I could actually afford to <laughs> smoke as much as I do now. But yeah, I, I had peers that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, maybe it was family life, home life. They smoked at a really young age and unfortunately didn't have the perseverance you did. And, you know, they're not really doing much. And and to that, I say, you know, yeah, maybe pot isn't for people under 18, you know, because there's so many, there's so many things that go on in human life, especially in the first 25 years. I kind of regret smoking as early as I did. Maybe I should have waited a little longer, but either way, there's definitely a case to be made there. Now, when it comes to the, the magic mushrooms, I've heard research that shows that mushrooms can actually help reconstruct portions of the brain. Maybe you haven't done them frequently enough to, to do that, but did you experience like maybe uh, like a refresh or, or how could you elaborate on your experience with psychedelics? Yeah. Um, my experience, again, I was doing so much research on all of that, listening to hours and hours of podcasts. Anybody who came on Joe Rogan talking about it, like probably the majority of people who are seekers, I guess. Um, but um, his guest, you know, Amber Lyons with Reset, uh, Reset.me, Aubrey Marcus early on, and just all, all the research I can do. Because that, you're talking about like the fear that I still had, and this was in 2017. Uh, the fear that was still there of like taking a sip of wine and demons coming back. You're talking about giving your consciousness away to some foreign substance that you're stuck for maybe eight hours. 
of these demons tormenting you. And I experienced that. So I, I don't want to open that back up in any shape or form. Right. Um, so a lot of research and a lot of like, okay, let's do this with intention. Um, did a, did a two and a half grams of, of, um, Hawaiians and really had this, um, and we did it in a, a float tank, um, um, center that we got to spend the night at. So a friend of mine owned one in new Orleans and it was just a beautiful, really, um, introspective, not really visuals, closed eyed visuals, but, um, very much introspective on, um, how to get to where I'm going. You know, I was at a job that I hated, um, that I felt like I was stuck there, been there 10 years. Um, a truck driver, I was only there because I filled out an application. I needed a job and I've been there 10 years. Um, we planned that trip with two other brothers and we went into New Orleans, we went back to New Orleans for that and uh, did a Reiki session with a lady. As we got into New Orleans, we went to the Reiki session, my first time having that, that was such a beautiful healing modality. And then, you know, working with the mushrooms and being in the float tank, I couldn't get that out of my mind that this lady gets to wake up and heal people and do energy work and do what she loves for a living. And that really stuck with me of like wanting to be a healer and being called as a healer. But my job and it was a big gulf in between. There was no way that I could lead meditations. I was a rapper. I'm really good at rapping. You sound black. And what they say, you you sound uneducated, right? So here you in my mind, that was just uneducated ghetto Ebonics leading guided meditations. It could never work, you know? And so these things that I'm wrestling with and the, and the mushrooms are teaching me, no, 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 you got this. You already are a healer. You're not becoming, you already are. Your music is healing. Your music is about encounter. You're doing all that. And it's beginning to show me and sit me down and give me like a right perspective on things in my life and what I needed to change to step into this place that I was being called to. So I just pulled out of, I got out the flow tank and just sort of writing everything down that was coming to me. And, um, and I knew that it would open up a, you know, months or years of walking that stuff out. And, um, that was the first time with two and a half grams. Um, several months later, I was more interviews and articulation and sharing with friends. We, we ended up, uh, hearing about the golden teachers and a buddy of mine was, um, real big into it and telling me his stories and it's just part of the research. And we go and do a hero dose of, uh, um, golden teachers at a cabin, bunch of Christian dudes with intention with to overcome pe- me to get to my next level. Like, how do I incorporate this stuff? How do I get out this person I see in my dreams? That's a rapper that's gets to wake up and do what he loves for a living. How do I bring that into my reality? Because it's so far away still, even though I'm working on myself and I'm, paying attention. So that was what I went in with. And, um, it was scary because the first time it was very, this, um, philosophical introspective conversation with God and yourself this time. Hey man, what's going on, bro? Hey man, I feel weird, bro. Can I, do we call the cops? Like, how do you get out of this? Did we take poison? Nah. Hey man, <laughs> calm down. Don't fight it. You're right. I'm fighting. Okay. Calm down. Let it take you. Okay. And as soon as I did, consciousness left my body and taken through these portals and the golden teachers came to me and these voice, two voices that seemed like that were doing this similar thing. Hey, are you true seeker? You're the one that's talking about stargates and 
leaving your body and the mysteries of the astral realm. You're, you're putting this in your music, this really sacred, you're, still, you're giving this to anybody who wants it. Yeah. You're talking about communicating with angels and summoning UFOs. You're putting this. Okay. We want to make sure we got the right one because we got some things we want to show you. And it was like a check, like, oh, you're the one that's an yeah. expert, right? And I kind of <laughs> felt like I was shown a lot of those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's the real Stargate. Here's the real <laughs> life review. Here's where you yeah. go when you die. And it's like, ah, oh, so beautiful, so healing. Um, tears. It was amazing. And we were all synced on this similar journey, which was amazing. Me and the other guys who were there. Um, like a roller coaster, but that was life changing, you know, and then going back Monday morning to your old job. was like, I'm excited to incorporate this stuff, though. I'm excited to work on myself and get to that next level. But as, you know, weeks started to go by and months started to go by as all this tenacity and, you know, wide eyed and hopeful. Um, it's like, damn, maybe I don't get to. Maybe I'm stuck here. Maybe I should have, you know, tried to do this. Maybe I should have went to college. Maybe I should have waited before I had kids to try to pursue this stuff. And so weird thing is I like to, to mention that, you know, the, the mushrooms kind of like, it does cure depression, right? There's neurogenesis, there's rechemistry and re uh, brain cells reconnecting and, and healing that happens, but it cures depression, but it, it also births depression in me. Cause I'm like, I'm stuck in this truck and I got friends who are tattoo artists who get to go to work, work and they love what they do and the energy in the tattoo shop of them getting paid great money to wake up and draw and create artwork. And I'm an artist, I'm a rapper, but I'm stuck paying bills and this kind of thing. So it allowed me to, um, to get clear and say, you know what, like you got pay attention to the signs. What, what do I need to do? But it was depressing. You know, I sat in my work truck and I remember getting to a customer before they opened and I just sat there like, like I'm getting up at three in the morning going to do this job and I'm there early. I'm like, like, what if I had 40 hours a week to put towards music? Wow, what can I accomplish? What if I could podcast for 40 hours a week? What the, what would I get accomplished? Like I would get so much if, if only it were possible, you know, that kind of, but I had to get real and like, talk to God, talk to the creator, talk to the angels. Like, listen, do I need to give up on these dreams? Are they pipe dreams? Are they just vain imaginations that I need to give up on? Do I need to go put an application in at a, at a plant and make more money? And just, this is just what we do. And that kind of come into terms with myself. And it's like, you're having that talk of like, when do you give up on your dreams? Never, don't still in you. Don't let it die with you. I'm looking at my boss who's 50 and other boss who's 47. They gave up on their dreams. They're there because they have to. I'm there or they want to, or that's just what I'm not. It's still in me, you know? So that allowed me to get clear and just really kind of step into the flow. You know what I'm saying? And bring that energy in. So man, yes. psilocybin mushrooms for me, we're not just about traveling the universe, bro. It's about getting your shit together and manifesting yes. something in your life. Yeah. Yes, brother. Yes. And that is what people need to hear. Cause I, I fear a little bit, you know, I try to stay positive and rooted in that 
But I fear with this recreationalizing these sacred medicines, they're going to lose their potency to be that impactful change that someone may need on their life. And wow, man, what a way to express that. I think, you know, to your point. They will and they are. Look at religion. Look at prayer. Look at devotion. Same. I think the same conversation that we're having about the mushrooms was had you know, about that. And for some people, it is a very much a spiritual experience of praying and literally leaving their body through prayer. You know what I'm saying? Mm. To somebody, somebody else, it's just a religious duty and right. it's lost its potency in the same way it happens with, uh, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you know, whoever, what you're going through, it'll show up and it become that for you. Yeah. Yeah. And to your credit, brother, I know you said this and I'm sure you've heard this since you've made these improvements, but you are very articulate and you have such a unique point of reference and voice to carry that message. So I wouldn't even, if I were you, make that, you know, disclaimer because you're (laughs) well on your way to helping people. Because I I have to say that because you you really painted a picture in my mind when you, you know, expressed your story there. And uh, yeah, it's powerful, man. And it's beyond it's beyond chemical. It's beyond a physical reaction. And it's it's beyond that surface level of what people expect when they hear psychedelics, that it's this sort of like fun time. No, it's it's life changing. And you will leave with a depression that's going to motivate you rather than oppress you, you know, because that's what it sounds like to me. Like you, ha- you were experiencing something like depression, but it wasn't until that mushrooms experience yeah. that that depression <laughs> became like a catalyst, right? Well, that's what we learned. That's what we've heard that whatever you're dealing with, is going to come to the surface, mm. you know, and uh, it's going to make you deal with it. And yeah, yeah. Um, that's where bad trips come from. You know, that's mm. where so much comes from. Maybe even my marijuana thing. Maybe there's a little bit of that too. I feel like I'm going to die. Listen, I don't want to die. Like I love this life that I'm even so much more attached now to this reality than I was when I was depressed or when I was in the occult. Like, yeah, kill me. I was obsessed with even killing myself. But now it's like, I don't, my family, my job, I've stepped into it. I get to wake up and have discussions like this for a living. Like I get to wake up and work on music. I get to write a book. I get to do whatever I want. And man, it just seems like a dream. You know, I've become lucid in the dream, which is what this is about. Wake up, do something like whatever. Don't give up on the dream. Bring it into your reality. Exactly. Yeah, man. And I, I visualized all that because I was there too, man, you know, with the delivery guy thing. Yeah. Yeah. And people listening, you know, this is, this is how I got into it. I was a delivery guy listening to podcasts all day and (laughs) kicking myself in the butt. Like, why am I not doing this myself? And yeah, uh, I was lucky (laughs) enough an opportunity came around and kind of really gave me no excuse not to do it. Here I am now. And I'm really grateful I started when I did because I could be, you know, in the same boat I was in a year or two years ago. So, yeah, brother, I'm right there with you. Now, when it comes to your music, I listened on Spotify. I love the context. I love the content. I love the sound. I'm wondering, what are some of your artistic inspirations? You know, who are some of the rappers that helped you see this path? Because, unfortunately, a lot of rap is very, you know disenchanting dis you know harmonizing and and this rare sector of rappers are really great at 
just like inspiring people. So who were those for you? Who inspired you to do this art? Yeah. Um, as far as artistically like influence, you know, I do have a very eclectic influence. I, I do listen to metal. I, I like nineties new metal, Cold Chamber and Corn and those kind of guys. So artistically, there's some of those expressions and influence, but what they're talking about and then doing it in a, in a hip hop sense, it's, you know, it's night and day, but I was able to bring some mixing and recording and whispers and haunting and really interesting experiences. So um, there's that aspect, but as far as, so I was a Christian rapper, you know, and I was uh, having this uh, awakening and looking up terms like the third eye and all of this, you know, astral travel out of body. And that stuff was brand new to me and UFOs and stuff that I was experiencing and I'm finding it in books and listening into it in podcasts. And, and the more searching I did, I found a, a, a rap group and the group was, uh, the lost children of Babylon. And, uh, man, they was, they were super dope. They were articulating everything that I was reading and it really, their, their style was so, um, eclectic as well, because like the words that they're using never heard before, even their, some of them, their cadences weren't even on beat. It was like off timing and stuff. And so one of the things that, you know, I like about music, I'm a huge Bone Thugs and Harmony fan. And I don't know, I've been listening to them since I was literally eight, seven, but younger than that. And I still can't recite a Bone Thug song all the way through. And that beauty of now it's always fresh. It's always new, even when you try to. And then, hey, what'd you say? That's a misheard lyric. So that's that kind of experience came listening to the Lost Children of Babylon because they're like breaking down all of the stuff that I'm uh, reading about and experiencing, but definitely from an experiencer standpoint and also from a philosophical standpoint, like they read it and they know the the knowledge and then they articulate it in a rap song. And I just love, I loved it. it. And then I started finding it. Um, I started, I didn't know what they were talking about. And then I would read it in the book and it would match up. Oh, wow. They, they're talking about the initiation of the, the pyramid and what a initiate must go through or, uh, initiations, which are amazing and fascination. I went fascinating. I went through an initiation when that fire came into me, that was a spiritual initiation. There was another one with the golden teachers, right? And so initiation, whether it's a spiritual initiation, which all of us are in that school, um, of initiation. If, if you're listening to this at some degree, you definitely are. Um, but here to articulate it in the song, it was awesome, but I'm a Christian rapper. Uh, with a very um, ABC kind of vocabulary. So I know those guys wouldn't accept me, you know, kind of thing, but I started reaching out. I started trying to add some of that in my music. And so just articulating what I was studying, articulating what I was watching in a, a documentary or a movie that while I was having this awakening, these phrases from Star Wars that go overlooked or, you know, st documentaries and, wow, he said, what? That hit me in my heart. I'm putting that in a song. Maybe it hit somebody else in their heart. Wow. And then now you have this experience that takes place in a rap song. And I reached out to him and let him hear like maybe my first like esoteric kind of song. And they were like, man, we love it. We want to promote it and put it out under us and stuff. And they like from day one were like huge supporters and stuff. And so that just 
um, opened that door for me to work with a lot of those guys and to tap into an already existing eclectic fan base that we're now into what I was into. But again, that door of closing it on a Christian rapper. And now we're talking about how to summon UFOs by stargazing and chanting and uh, Kundalini awakening. And I still got Christians listening to me. And now we're talking about it on the podcast. So that was that shift of like, okay. And it was hard. You know, it was, it was very hard for me, but, um, you know, after I've come, I I made it through that rough patch. That was, man, almost as hard as it was coming out of that demonic possession type thing. I dealt with in 99, 2000, like just as hard to have everybody turn their back on you and, and people who looked up to you now say you're a devil worshiper, you know, those kind of, it was, do you really want to wear that badge? Do you really want to go down that road? And so that pendulum for me was it was crazy. It was madness to me to really know who I am and be comfortable in this place that I felt like God and the angels and the creator were, were bringing me down. But it took a long time. And uh, I'm very comfortable and, and, and thankful for going through that. Yeah, man. And you're you're doing great work in, you know, what I might be wrong by describing as syncretism. Maybe you don't see yourself as a syncretist yourself. No, I am for sure. Okay, cool. So, so I think, you know, and what's so interesting about this syncretic movement that I see in this community, I really believe that it's only a matter of time before that breaks into the mainstream in a really impactful way. All great groundbreaking things start in the fringe. It's just the way humans are they're used to tradition and anything new nah not gonna see it and you're doing great work you're like in a sense you know helping some of the the most i don't want to use this term and offend anybody but there is a certain limitation to being a christian while also being incredibly open in the heart space you know christians are very loving people they don't they're not the west baptist church assholes (laughs) that people see in the media you know that's usually the loudest voices in every community are the most extreme but I, I, I can sense that, man, because even with this small show that I have, like when we talk about Tartaria and then I go and I voice any doubt about Tartaria, we'll get people who are like, oh, you don't mess with Tartaria anymore? What the hell? I thought you were loyal to Tartaria. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we had an open mind here. These are open minded conversations. So, mm. yeah, I, in a small, very small way, I've kind of experienced a little bit of pushback for being, you know, willing to go and and be agnostic about certain subjects. And, and I think, yeah, by stepping in and broadening your perspective on Christian religion, the Christian religion, which inherently started as a very mystic thing, you know, is really awesome because now's the time, you know, now's the time for this stuff to be integrated. So, you know, when it comes to Christian mysticism, how do you, see like because you have a very composite whole view of the world you know how does ufos and aliens fit in to your worldview of christianity does you know because i've seen some stuff that says like jesus is a space brother you know and he's out there in space right now i've also seen stuff where it's more makes a little more sense to maybe think of as like 5d and they're in another dimension i don't know where do you stand on that maybe maybe it's different yeah, something more along the lines of that, like a world within a world. You know, we've I seen a TikTok that was really dope, but it's a dude who just said like, um, 
we, our shadows are 2D, right? And they're a reflection of a 3D object that is 2D, right? That we can see it flat. There's no dimension to it, it's flat. Now, but what if we are a shadow, a 3D shadow of a fourth dimensional character or object? And I get chills by saying it, and I think yeah. that has something, I think there's some truth to it, and then it, so on and so forth, right, yes. of this expression. And so the Bible talks a, a lot about that. You know, it talks about we're, we're, we're here now, but we're also seated with Christ in heavenly places. Like there's two versions of us, multiple versions. And so um, a lot of the mysticism, a lot of the, the beautiful practices, practices that modern Christianity has given away, they were practiced by ancient Christianity, like you say, um, so much. And I'm learning more every day. So this idea of what I teach, it's I'm a student. And that's what that's for me. That's the only thing that allows at least me to receive from another person is that they're still open to learn because they haven't given up on that. Yeah. Early on, you'll because like you said, you know, there's dogmatic people in the new age, there's dogmatic people in Hinduism and people who are just there and they, they have no spiritual connection, but they cite the sources. They know how to repeat, regurgitate what they heard that sounded cool. To be honest with you, there was some of that there with the band, the rap groups I was listening to. They had book knowledge. They didn't even meditate, but they broke down how to meditate that they got from a book. And, it, and so that was like a disappointment for me. So I want to be that living expression right. of what those that text says. And at one point early on for any Christian or anybody who has a religious upbringing, you know, when Zeitgeist came out, really Zeitgeist was like a check for a lot of us of like, you have to pick, you know, um, where this came from, if it, if it was borrowed and those kind of things. And if there is anything that has any truth to it, if the Bible has any truth to it, it has to be universal truth. It can't be truth just for these people or that they found it some odd years after the evolution of the world or whatever, like it has to be true from the beginning. It has to be true for the Muslim and those kind of ideas, which obviously now we could see is very similar in syncretism. When you pray with intention, with a pure heart, this happens. If you pray and you don't really believe it, or you, let's even talk about the, the power of spoken word. You know what I'm saying? Cymatics and vibration and belief and having an idea and projecting it and Man, all of that is mm. in every religious holy book. And so from those things being a threat at one point, now it gives it more potency. Okay, well, the Greeks had it and they just, they called it this and they have a lot more because the, the Bible is going to give you overviews and references. Bro, I've got stuff where Paul's like summoning spirits to go and attack people and stuff, bro. Like all kinds of wild stuff that, I've never heard anybody talk about that I'm getting as I read. So who do I talk to? Where do I find you got to start going outside of the text and finding it in Greek culture, which they were influenced by or early, um, you know, Kabbalistic texts, which in religion, they, it's tunnel vision. This is the only truth that this is our only truth, but consciousness, man, you can't see, you can only see so much because of cognitive dissonance until your consciousness expands until your love, your heart expands, your love expands, allows your mind to expand. And um, it's so beautiful, this mystery that it was there the whole time. 
mm-hmm. all of these beautiful sacred practices, even in the Bible. If so, you would think of like the one thing they tell you it's not in. So there's this fascination in Eastern thought to go to like Hinduism. And and even when I was running with those guys, LCOB and that mystical like community, I would in my Christian lingo or my Christian practice and those kind of things, I would still get made fun of by Hindus or guys that were in the Kabbalah or mystery schools or syncretism. Oh, he's still a Christian. Oh, he's still this. You got to have a modality, bro. You got to pick one. Like if you're going to do that, cool. I know this. I, and this is a secret. This is my school. And so, um, you know, it's all things to all people um, as you're able to deal with it righteously and not just from a, a head knowledge, but from the heart knowledge. They got to become one. Absolutely. And there is this sort of process that humans go through. And yeah, maybe we all sort of take a different angle to the same center point. But to your point, truth is universal. There are many roads to that same point that connects them all. And some people get stuck at the beginning of the path and say, no, 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 this is the only way to the center. And the people who make their way to the center are like, whoa, all of these roads connect here, you yeah. know? And, and, and yeah, well said, man. Now, when it comes to ascension, you know, you're, you're doing a lot with your show, your music to inspire people. You have guests on to come in and elaborate on these concepts. But, you know, when it comes to the people around you, the people in your family, do you feel a need to see them ascend? Or have you reached a point where it's like, well, if I could inspire them to ascend, that's great, but I'm not really trying to, because there's sort of two paths I've noticed. Some of my guests on the show are really like, well, my family thinks I'm crazy and I'm going to prove I'm wrong. And other people are like, my family thinks I'm crazy and I can care less, you know? So do you, do you have like a sense of like, well, I I should at least try to give this information to the people around me so they can ascend too, or is that really not how it works? Yeah. um, So coming, you know, again, with my background, like, Mm. and having duality of the contrast, if you will, light and dark, right? I have that contrast, but also have the contrast of being a dogmatic Christian, a street preacher, you know what I'm saying? Hellfire dude. Like I, I went, I did several, maybe a, a couple of years in that. I don't know, but I, but I have the badge to prove it and I have the fruit to prove it. That wasn't good. So, and I know what that uh, shapes, how I look at people who believe differently, uh, even other Christians who believe the different doctrine, you know, and, and, and I can see that now as, you know, separatism and um, we fight, they got us fighting against each other and it was there the whole time. So when it comes to preaching and or sharing information, uh, evangelizing, proselytizing, evangelical Christianity is called that for a reason because they are very evangelical. They ha- You have to go tell people like Jehovah's Witnesses have to knock on your door on Saturday morning. You know, if they did not fulfill their Christian duty. So there's that, that, uh, desire, it's a desire. Yes. If you found the truth, I mean, vegans do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like any consciousness mushroom guy, Hey man, come try to, like we all evangelize and proselytize like something that's beautiful to us that we want people to know about. But what changed for me with that, because it was so, so much a polarity, you know, of the way I did it back in those days that now with podcasting and with music and with these things and search algorithms and um, uh, SEO, 
I don't have to convince anyone of anything. And that's the view when I used to have to, because if I convinced you, it, it, it fulfilled something in me that made me think I was right or I wasn't crazy. Oh, I'm not the only one that believes this. And I, I convinced seven of my friends to stop eating pork or whatever. Like I literally did that. So now with the podcast and with my music, it's like, hey, let the chips fall where they may. Um, if you type in how to, how to summon a UFO, how to leave your body, should Christians use magic mushroom? Like if you're Googling this stuff and you're, it's coming across your feed, you have to come upon your own free will on your own volition to stop and to eat from that table and to seek it out and to stick around. So for me, it's like, Hey, this is my truth. And, um, and I'm a student and I'm open and I can be wrong in those things. So I just share it. I put it out there and let the chips fall where they may, whether that's immediate family, whether that's strangers passing by. Um, I don't have to force anything on anyone. I think that, you know, the journey got so deep and so many pivot pivot stops to where like in order to get to this realm of consciousness you gotta have been on both sides of the occult you've had to have ufos come out of a star and show up you've had to have a demon approach you you've had to have demons attack you and try to steal your mind from you. you've had to have a blissful experience where the presence of love comes into the room and everybody just starts weeping because it's so beautiful like there's reasons why i'm here so for me to judge a poor soul or whoever who has an ex who that that's not true. That's demonic, which I still get every day, all day. Um, it would be very silly for me to be in the ninth grade and uh, talk down to the second grader who doesn't know how to do calculus and algebra. And um, and they would be, you know, mad at me for talking over their head. So the interesting thing about broadcasting, which is what we're doing, throwing these seeds out there for whoever let the chips fall where they may they get to eat and come from it. But we got all of these types of people. You got the Christian, you got the Muslim, you got the Hindu, you got the second grader, the 12th grader, and everybody comes and eats from the table. And I think that I like all of it. I'm not just on, you know, one plane of existence. I, I like all of it and try to meet people where they are. I don't, I'm not forcing anything on, on anyone. I used to. And so that's why I kind of take that hard right on not doing it, I guess. Well, you Let know, them come to you. Once you reach enlightenment, they're supposed to come to you. Yeah. And I think you're, you're exemplifying what, you know, that old saying from that movie, if you build it, they will come. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's what so many people are looking for. Unfortunately, sometimes it comes from a place of narcissism rather than heart centered, you know, giving and kindness and learning. But in this social media world where everybody gets their own platform, it's beautiful yeah. to see you using your platform to inspire others. And honestly, the biggest thing for, as far as feedback goes that I get from my show, aside from maybe compliments, is, hey, I'm starting my own podcast because your show really like, yeah. you know, whatever it was. And I know this isn't just something I'm doing. This is yeah, something man. that people feel they, they hear other people talking. They're like, man, I want to be a part of this conversation. Or so I want to have simple too, bro. Yeah. We're just talking, dude. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. And we're building something here too. That's kind of the beauty of, of this show is getting to know people. Yes. We come from sort of similar walks of life in the sense of what we're doing now, but you and I have had very different paths. I don't know how much research you've done on me prior to this. I don't ask you to. I hope 
you know, you didn't feel like you needed to because you didn't. Uh, so, but you know, so busy, man. take me, yeah, take my word for I'll, it. Well, I, but see, I like coming into these discussions this way, though, like first time catching it on camera. This is our first time, right? Kind of diving in together, you know? Right, right, right. And, you know, my point being is like, no matter how far apart we may seem, we found common ground here. And that's exactly true for everyone tuning in too. what we talk about here, they're going to take some common ground from. So maybe we could get into a little bit more of like, you know, what you actually believe and, and maybe some advice that you might have for anyone listening whose ears are already open and ready for that kind of thing, because we don't want to proselytize anybody. I think everybody's here on their own uh, volition. So when it comes to pork, you mentioned something that I want to ask about. I don't maybe your sh views have shifted, but I've thought about this every now and then, you know, and I've worked on farms. I've, you know, fed pigs they're very kind and, and intelligent creatures what's the spiritual you know scoop on on pigs is there a real reason not to eat pork in your mind or is that a lot of dogma no i think uh, so i'm not there anymore um but i do understand the value of it there was in my christian walk as we were uh, uh fellowshipping with the messianic christians the christians who like keep the law of moses and were very big in like jewish uh side of things um we uh and my study of like finding out where where Christmas came from, where Easter comes from, and the pagan origins of all of this. And this was early. This was in two thousand and eight. Um, this was early for me. Um, as I started learning these things and being discipled and with friends who were seekers as well, like we quit eating pork, um, quit you know doing any any holidays. Because uh, we saw them as like veneration to pagan deities and um, in their conception. And we started doing the Jewish feast and the Jewish festivals and the Jewish holy days and Sabbaths and stuff instead of the pagan ones that were worshiping Moloch and all of these, you know, other deities that we were told, told were demons, if you will. Um, so eating kosher was a part of the Mosaic law to not eat um, shellfish and those things. But there was about eight, eight years or so where, again, we didn't eat any anything like that. And, um, but everything kind of came full circle with the awakening because it was very much dogmatic. It was more of like do's and don'ts. And I am accepted by God more because I don't, or because I study more, you know, that kind of notion, which is the narcissism. It's kind of rooted in there, but it's also rooted in, I want to please God. Like if there's a creator and he's got rules, like I should follow them. If, if I came with the rule book and I'm a human, I should read it. If, uh, if um, you know, you get something and it comes with an instruction manual. So I guess we would look at the law of Moses or just the universe. It, it, would, it would be the, the law of Moses at first. Now it's more of the universal law. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so it's, it's, what, the, it's what the law of Moses really is. Mm. It was signs and symbols. But love is, a, love is the fulfillment of all the law. And once I came to a really deep notion of that is what Christ taught that listen, love it by loving your, the Lord, your God and loving your neighbor, all of that stuff, you're going to do it naturally. So get the spirit in your heart and you're naturally going to want to treat animals, right? You're naturally going to want to treat people. You're not going to want to look at your neighbor's wife with lust in your heart. Why? Because you got a wife, you know, you're not, and you love your neighbor. So you would never want to come between, you know, you start seeing all of these things that were articulated to more of like a primitive man that are fulfilled in the spirit. Mm. 
Mm. But pork, going back to that, are there still, you know, notions there for sure? Like, like you're, you know, you're, you're not what, you know, you hear the notion, you are what you eat, right? But you're not, you are what you eat, ate. And so pigs, any of the things that tells you not to eat, pigs being one of them, pigs, shrimp, shellfish, crabs, they're bottom feeders. They're at the bottom of the ocean. They eat slop. Like pigs were garbage disposal units. You can throw them anything. You can throw them a dead body. Another pig dies, they're going to eat it. They eat anything in it and it's embedded in their skin. None of those animals have pores like us where we can, if we get sick and we get bad stuff in us, we can sweat it out. We go through this process and our body heals itself and it sweats it out. But those shellfish and bottom feeders and pigs, the poisons and all of that stuff is embedded and locked in their skin. So when you, you know, just look at pork under a microscope, you're going to see parasites and all kinds of things. But so there was a practical reason, like, you know what I'm saying, to the law and like if you are what you eat, ate. So you're not just a pig, you are a dead body. You are this and this and this and this. And so that's the idea with the bottom feeders, you know, that they eat right. all of that. Maybe you would want to, if you do eat animals, maybe you would want to eat one that eats vegetation and shrubbery and and other fruits and things like that. Um, but but maybe if you are a, a, ascended, maybe you don't want to eat any um, any meat and you just eat vegetarian because you don't want to hurt any animals and those things. But then if you're even ascended more than that, then you want to become a breatharian because you know that uh, plants have consciousness and feelings as well, and they can feel pain and respond to that. So maybe you just want to live off the breath and sunlight. And so where do we stop kind of thing? But you know, I can see the, uh, I can see the practical reasons for, yeah. you know, the, the pig thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've led a vegan lifestyle for a couple years. I went away from that just out of economic and maybe you know, social yeah. reasons. And, and yeah, meat's kind of like on the lower end of what I eat on a monthly basis. It's not really a main staple for me, but yeah, I wonder if that kick-started something because when I began to eat cleaner, I started to feel a stronger sense of awareness, a stronger sense of being. And I, I'm sure you have felt- a, a, I'm the same way. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I, I eat pork. I don't like eating pork. There was a couple of days where I ate it a couple of days straight and I was like, no, I can't, I can't. And maybe it's a negative connotation that I have, but I could feel it in my body. Mm. Um, there's so many things when it comes to 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 eating and, um, you know, the pushback you get from certain vegans, like, you know, I don't even want to tell them the diet, you know, because I know as soon as I say it, they're going to judge you like, Hey, are you, because they're trying to see how spiritual you are, or how, if they can listen to you. Cause if you eat meat, bro, you're not spiritual at all. This, and I totally get those comments. Same thing goes with the J A. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Um, oh yeah. Did you get it? Did you get it? And I don't like answering it. I don't like answering it just because I like to see what it's in the in individual mm. and why they want to know and, right. and what they're going to, and the label they're going to put on me if I tell them yes, or if I tell them no. And so it's, especially in the spiritual community, it's very, very interesting. I like to look at people and from a psychological standpoint, why do you believe the way you believe? Why do you treat people the way that you do? And so, um, you know, diet and judgment and all that stuff, um, comes with this territory, you know, mm. but, um, there's so many things, like you said, of like, even the vegan is eating like 
processed food that's they're malnourished and now their mind isn't working right. You know what I'm saying? Versus the person who's eating meat, but they're eating clean. Right. Everybody's different. I've I've found that out. We my wife tried to go vegan, bro, and uh got sick very quick. Two months, she's type O negative. And oh, man. that now the study of certain blood types that have to have meat proteins, animal proteins for the blood. And she she became anemic, man. She started getting like like uh stuff coming out of her eyes and really weak and stuff. And it was just, it was bad. And um, so we like to, we like to speak in absolutes, but only a Sith speaks in absolutes, right? Um, do you eat meat? Yes or no? Well, once a month, once a week, uh, well, I try to only eat once a day, to be honest with you. And that's been more spiritual than any mm. uh, not eating. Pork Less or, is more. Or yeah, anything. Eating once a day and being mindful of what that meal is and not, snacking on anything throughout the day. That's been more spiritual. Do I just lost 50 pounds, bro. Wow. On that. Right on. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like taking that into my practice. And uh, I, I am with man. you. But yeah, there's a there's something that happens with the mind. I mean people mindfulness is what it comes down to, right? Yeah. Of and people everything. get people get this like notion that our mind is boom right up here in our skull. No, our mind is is in our, our chest just as much as it's in our belly as it's in our heart and it's in our brain, you know. And to me that speaks to the truth about the chakras and a lot of people when they hear chakra it's a you know it's a sanskrit word so they're like oh that's hindu stuff but the christians have the same sort of diagram i've seen in certain books where you know they don't use the word chakra but they call them like a wheel or a fountain of light that comes from yeah. our energy centers so yeah. can you help us understand like are there any practices that you do to open up these energy centers on a, on a daily basis? Or is it more of like a one and done thing? Like you, you open them and then you sort of maintain it from there. Mm, yeah. That's like it for me. Mm. Um, I would, you know, I go, I do everything 150%, you know, whether I'm, um, if it's meditation, it's, I don't think it's healthy. It's just what I do. And, and many people like me do it. So you got to make sure what you're doing, it's conducive with the life that you want to live. If you can balance all of that in your day and schedule it in, I just can't. I'm just, I've tried it. I've come to terms with it. I'm manic. Um, I'll try to, you know, then there's times where you can, but when you're like super tuned in to certain things, which right now is studying, I don't want to pray. I don't want to meditate. I don't want to chant home in the corner. I don't want to even astral travel, leave my body and go talk to an angel. I'm articulating what the angels told me three months ago. In study form, I want to prove my downloads is what I've been telling people to do. And this is where the ancient texts come in. And it's like, wow, I feel like this is true. I feel like I'm with this. Listen, cool. You probably are, but go find it. I'm in love with the ancient world and the, with the ancient text and, and the ancient Christians and the ancient mystics and Buddhists. And man, I, I love it. So um, I get manic about studying eight to 12 hours a day, just glued to the computer, breaking down words in the Bible and that going down a, a, a road of Paul summoning spirits through breath work. What the, he did what? Yeah. Tell us about articulate that. that and bring it up to Christians. Yeah, man, why not? And so it's like, it's going to take me six months to articulate, you know, kind of thing. So I don't have time to pray or time to, you know, meditate. But what happens for me is, the meditation and the prayer and all of the devotional work seem to uh, be manic as well. 
I, uh, when I do it, I really do it. Like I, that's what I wake up and I can't wait for my fa- see my family off for the day. Cause I'm, I'm going in the trance. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go learn. I'm going to go be taught. And, um, and I'll, and I'll do that for the week. I'll do that for the two weeks or that, but very quickly that two weeks turns into a month or two months of, of just praying and going in so much. So where your, your consciousness gets, gets shifted and, uh, and it's beautiful. I love it. Um, and, uh, but I think that that gets me ready to go for two months of studying of two months of being in the books and, um, those things. And no, it's not like I don't do it at all. I do have, I have things where we meet for discussion. I have to pull myself away because I love, I love everything I do. That's my problem. Like I love my work, every part of it, you know, writing songs and studying and praying and meditating and talking to people, you know, I could do this all day with you, man. You know what I'm saying? But I have to say it. I was on a talk before this one and I had to, if I wasn't scheduled, we'd probably still be going. And that's just that when you create the life that you love, man, sleeping is, I don't want to sleep, but yeah, sleep time is, is where, the most important resource, but that's where the creator comes to, to speak to me. Cause I haven't been, mm. I mean, trust me, it's all day, but there comes a time where you gotta, you gotta unload. Right. And many of us it is only in the dreams because we don't spend time in, if you're meditating during the day, if you're going into that place, your dreams become a little bit more different. You get access to different realms and different possibilities when you dream. But if you're just carrying all of the weight of the world and your thoughts and emotions and all of that stuff, stress, everything, and then you go to sleep, then you just render that up while you sleep. But the practice of meditation to do that before you go to sleep, it is healthy um, so that you're privy to different things in, in the spirit world whenever you dream. Um, I just love life, man. I really do. Right. Yeah, man. Now I have a question about, cause you mentioned this twice about St. Paul and it sounds like you've been studying him a lot, yeah. but before maybe you answer that, are there any practices that you've done to maybe remember your dreams or any tips you have for folks listening who want to, you know, experience their dreams more fully? Uh, yeah, I would say just what I just said, um, spend some time in meditation like mm-hmm. during the day right. so that you can kind of decompress right. um, the things you've been running from kind of thing or things you've been carrying. Um, I, I call it rendering, you know, when you, you have a timeline or uh, I do video editing. So once you get the timeline like you want in the video, the movie, everything's in place and then you got to let it render and it takes a, it's a process until it comes out. Now we can look at it. Now I can put it on YouTube or send it to somebody. The same thing works with our internal world, with the dreams and the imaginations and the, and the things we want to accomplish or experience. We got to render it and give it to the creator. Let go of it. It's in your hands. You're hold, we're holding all of this stuff and we got to let go of it. So to meditate would be to, to do that, to get rid of it during the day so that when you're able to, to dream, other things happen. Again, you're, you're privy to other things. So I think that having a little bit of a meditation practice um, during the day, so the dreams open up to you mm. and getting rid of, you know, doing the, the inner work, the internal work, forgiving people, uh, forgiving yourself, all of that during the day so that when you dream, you don't have to deal with it because you got to deal with it. You'll start having dreams about things that, are symbolic for what, what you haven't dealt with, with your eyes open. And so as soon as you deal with it, 
that's how you get awarded and you pass that test. Again, there's a mystery school that we're in. You got to pass the test. And if you don't pass it, you got to keep repeating it, taking that same test and be stuck in the same grade. And you'll know when you get that, that, that slip, when you get, you know, that graduation pass to the next, the next level is a level of consciousness. It's a, a level of reality of what's possible for you. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, just practicing meditation, um, you hear things that come to you in the dreams, um, in the Bible dreams are one of the, the biggest ways that God speaks to individuals in the old and new Testament. He says he opens up their, their ears for understanding in the, in the dream state when deep sleep falleth upon men. Um, so many times angels and spirits approach people when they're in that meditative state really trying to get to the place that you go right, right before you you're dozing off into that, like that REM sleep. There's a, there's a little portal or a veil that you pass through when you're going to sleep and when you're waking up, but in the, in that between place, almost like in between the thoughts, mm. it's like, that's what, that's where magic happens yeah, to be able like to leave the, your body, to be able to create something or do alchemy. Yeah. I think they're called corpuscular creatures, but it's like the type of animals who only come out during sunset and sunrise. Cause it's like this median, this twilight period. Yeah. And yeah, man, there's definitely the Bible magic talks about there. that dude. And like crazy codes and stuff, bro. Wow. There were different watches of the night that, that different spirits would, would get access to the world and to humanity. And many times where, where Jesus would, when a certain phase of the moon, uh, would come, they would stay up all night and they would pray and meditate through the night and make sure that their bodies don't go to sleep. So they would consciously be meditating and, um, and the disciples weren't trained in, uh, as good in it. And so many of them would, would, would go to sleep because they were essentially fasting sleep and it would, you know, open you up to different experiences and different realms. That's why, you know, many people on crystal meth mm -hmm. uh, experience weird places in between the, the worlds and see beings, usually demonic entities, it's uh, tapping the drug is one thing, but also fasting sleep, not sleeping for five days on end, you know? And so even with that notion that there, there was some of that that was going on in the Bible and them articulating it in codes with the, uh, what's called the watches of the Lord, yeah. different phases of the moon throughout the night. Wow. Yeah. And it is, it is so fascinating. Like you've been saying throughout this conversation, how much is in the Bible and is just sort of, glossed over and you mentioned saint paul summoning spirits if that's a part of your studies and you have some information to share i'd love to hear it but i'd also love to give you the opportunity to tell people where they can tune in and keep up with your studies because i have a feeling like that makes its way into the podcast am i correct there yeah i mean i would hope in videos and in books at some point but the best way for me is talking about it so i just love to to talk and to kind of feel the audience to see what they want to talk about. So mm -hmm. yeah, my podcast is the truth seeker podcast, my website, truthseeker.com. We do weekly hangouts and um, just share community. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it comes through the music, comes through everything for real. Right on, right on. So St. Paul. He's yeah, responsible for the majority of the new Testament. Yeah. So what is it that he was doing that maybe people have seemed to forgot about this uh, spirit summoning? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So um, many of the, um, say many, everything, this is what makes the Bible so dope and, and coming to you at your level of consciousness. Cause it, it, whatever is in you is what you see. 
you're not privy to it. The, the, the seal of revelation has not been opened to you, which is, the scriptures is only Christ can give you that. And that's when you, your heart is open and your mind is ready and you pass the test. Um, and then you can, you're, you're privy to that level, that level of consciousness. Um, so everything, everything that you read in the Bible at face value means something else. Everything you got the story that that's been given to us in, in the, in the literal interpretation is, is an, is an initiation, um, to see what's in you. You know, it's kind of like if you go to the psychiatrist and they throw the paint splatter on, Hey, paint splatter. What do you see in this? Well, I see, I see two demons fighting each other. I see this. I see that. So it's like, Hey, what do you, what do you see? I see a fool who died on the cross, who, should have took his life into his own hands. He should have raised up an army when he had the chance. You know, everybody, because of what is in them, the light or the darkness that is within them, they have a, an opinion on, on, on those stories and those characters in the Bible. So elementary is, is a very little literal. It's very, um, it's your initiation of, of the things, but, but you can't skip it. Like there's development that needs to happen at, at ground one. Maybe you're in ground one, one now. Maybe you've skipped it. Maybe you're trying to take fifth grade curriculum, but you forgot ground floor stuff. So you can go back, right? But but it's the ground floor stuff of being a good person, being a good person, um, showing love, forgiving your enemies, um, living from the heart, uh, knowing that love is greater than fear. There's so many principles that are all throughout the scriptures um, that you get as an initiation and not just to read about them, but to try to incorporate them. Wow. If Jesus forgave his enemies. Can I forgive mine? Well, they don't. And there's another voice that comes in. Well, they don't deserve forgiveness. You were molested. You should hold resentment. You should tell on them. You should, they should die. You know, these other, yeah, you're right. They should, you know? And so this, this, this war is a struggle that like, ah, but Jesus forgave the very people who killed him. They killed him. They killed his family. They killed his friends. Like, who are you? So we find ourselves in these stories and in these situations and we all handle them differently. You know, shout out to Jordan Peterson, who's really bringing the psychological aspect to this, to the table lately on a mini mainstream podcast. And it's beautiful. Um, and he's in tears every time he shares it. He lets you know, it means a lot to him of finding himself as the person who persecuted Christ as the person who was the thief, who was asking for forgiveness on the cross next to Christ as the thief who mocked Christ when he died. Ah, you can't save yourself. Ah, your religion is this, right? We find ourselves in them stories. So it's something is a level of consciousness that is privy to you from the elementary level of just simply becoming love. And once you do that, and once love outweighs the fear and outweighs the hatred and, bit, hatred and bitterness, this is, this is articulated biblically but it's also articulated through the mushrooms. They're doing the same thing that they're all on the same team. The demons are on the same, everything is on the same team. The NPCs are programmed to say random phrases to you that are going to piss you off. Playing grand death auto. Do you go off on the NPCs or you keep, keep it moving? Cause you know, they're only programmed to do that. Very similar structure. All of that said to know that when you get, there's a level of syncretism, there's a level of astrotheology, of psychology, of anatomy, many different realms of understanding that the Bible is true on every single one of those realms. Um, 
and we read about Paul who was, uh, had an encounter with Jesus and light that, um, changed him and left him blind for months. And then that light began to teach him. Um, but if you read a little bit further, this is in the book of Acts, um, a Christian was told to go find Paul and tell him to come meet with the other Christians. But Paul was killing Christians and persecuting them. And when, when Jesus came to this guy, uh, Ananias, and he said, go find the apostle Paul and tell them that I'm going to use him for my glory. He's like, there's no way this guy is like a, he's a, he's really good at what he does. And the uh, literal interpretation would just tell us that he was killing Christians because some of the, the terminology and phrasing that is used. But again, if I'm tapped into the study mode, I get to where I can't just read over anything and take it literal. I need to see the original word that was used. So it says, Paul, it uses this, this weird phrasing. It says that the apostle Paul was opening his mouth against and he was opening his mouth and breathing out darkness and terror against the children of God. And usually we'll just, okay, he was speaking against them. You know, he was persecuted because he was like, hold on. What the hell is opening the mouth? What does mm -hmm. that mean? Right. Like, is this, is there anything to it? Let me go down the, the rabbit hole. Maybe there's nothing to it. Maybe it just means he was opening his mouth to proclaim you guys or this. That's what most literal Christians will take it as. But then as I begin to break those words down, the opening of the mouth comes from this, this Greek word and which has to deal with a, a Greek practice called sufflation or insufflation or exsufflation, which is breath work and breathing in spirits to come inhabit you and working with them in you and then loosing spirits out of you to go out and do something uh, in the world. And so he, and so that's what opening the mouth and breathing out terrors and breathing out darkness. Because what is darkness? I had to look up those words. The word isn't darkness in Greek. The word isn't terror. Those are spirits. Those are spirits that we only get from um, studying the Greek culture, that they would work with these dark spirits that had a specific name and terrors and tremors or shades, if you will, that they were able to summon and go out and do things to people. So Paul was doing this to these Christians. His magic, his witchcraft, his sorcery was trained better than all, all of them. And, and it was making people go mad. It was doing all of this. And then Christ comes to him, has an encounter, says, hey, why are you doing this to my people? I need to teach you. So he goes blind. He sees this light. It blinds him. And so Christ begins to teach him uh, for months. Several, we get that from Ananias, who's like, I'm not going to go find this dude. He's going to kill me. He's going to put a spirit on me that I can't get off of me. And we know that because several chapters later, Paul is, is preaching, talking about Christ and what Christ represents as he's now a Christian, right? Um, and this uh, um, magician comes up to him, a magi, and he's like standing against them. The mat is so crazy. The magi is doing to Paul what Paul the magi was doing to the Christians. Paul is sharing the gospel. The way of Christ is the way of love, and we must pursue the way of peace. And this guy's mocking him and like trying to do witchcraft against him with Spirits And Paul is like, oh, who is this guy? So the same thing that happened to Paul 
when he got blinded by the bright light and Christ came upon him and it says he went blind for a season so that he had to have somebody to lead him and teach him. The same terminology happens where Paul speaks out and sends forth the darkness and the terror. It says Paul sent forth darkness and terror out of his mouth and instruct the man with blindness for, and he put it on him for a season. He gave it a period. This is going to come off of you during the third new moon, right? He gave it a time frame that this guy was blind. So what Paul experienced from persecuting Christians, he kind of did the same thing, or at least learned how to work with those kind of spirits um, through, I'm pretty sure before Christ, but having that encounter with Christ, he literally did the same thing. To, to the magician that Christ did to him, made him blind and they had to lead him on um, so that the people could, could hear the good news of the gospel and be taught this magic, this spirituality in the newness of life, in the light of beauty of Christ, of love and forgiveness and acceptance versus using it to hurt people and those things. So you would say, well, maybe Paul was hurt somebody, but it's like, it was for his good. Like, hold on, my, this is more powerful than you kind of thing. Um, but even on that, that notion, I don't, you got to really deviate to, to find any of that. But it starts with breaking down the words that were used. And those words were the names of certain entities and breathing out. It's literally dealing with breath work and breathing in spirits or even the Catholic church, man. Like they had these beautiful practices that, where the Protestants got rid of Martin Luther said, we're not doing any of that. Yeah. They were doing all, man, they would do the sign of the cross. They thought that doing this had power. And as they would bless people, they had like, bro, it's like Jedi mind tricks. They could certain people who were gifted with the gift of gab and, and they had God's anointing on them. They could say things and convince people when they said it, bro, that's Jedi mind tricks. Like you go talk to the King. I can't, I'm of a man of broken, broken speech so much so that, Moses had other people speak for him. He would tell them what to say. And because they were anointed and carried that ability, he'd let them say it and it would happen. Mm. He would get the ideas and he would commune with, with God, but he would tell the other people to speak it and to declare it because they were maybe more convincing or, or had that ability. So all of these beautiful practices that have been in movies and, and other traditions, and this is all in Greek philosophy. It's in the Greek mythology you know, but we think it's something different. So the syncretism now is like so much more of like, even in those stories, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's fascinating, man. And thank you so much for going into that. I mean, the word terror itself is used in so many different ways now to think yeah. it was once, you know, considered like a type of spirit that makes a lot more sense to me, especially in the context of being summoned uh, you know, when it comes yeah. to certain false flag attacks, they definitely summon these folks out of nowhere. It seems with the best actors, right? We right. Actors and yeah, getting, man. Like, like, why would they hire somebody who's not a good actor to go? Even in the movie, I'm not talking about even crisis actors, but in movies that they put out, like mm. you have to have somebody who's convincing. convincing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That's a Jedi mind trick. It's high <laughs> yeah. magic. Yeah, man. And that's that's another thing. It's, there's a lot of confusion with the different sectors and doctrines and groups. And, you know, it's all like you said before, separatism. And I think there's one truth that should unite us all when it comes to the anointed ones. 
I've heard different interpretations. We had scholar Chris Bennett on the show a while ago, and he talks about the anointing oil possibly being a type of uh, mix of psychedelics, maybe even just cannabis oil. But then I've also had a more recent conversation with a friend, Mike uh, Michael Wan, <clears throat> who through different, I think we would call Moorish sciences, right? The folks who are, are in the know in the Moorish sciences. Mike is not one of these folks, but he's very close to them and, and has learned from them. And he was describing this concept of what's called like the sacred chrism or anointing oil between like the pineal gland and the parietal gland sort of, sort of excreting this thing. Is this similar to what you've understood about like this inner gnosis that takes place in someone who achieves ascension or sainthood? Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you, you just ex described it in, in two levels, right? You described it in the first guy who said that it was a very literal thing. It's cannabis, uh, cannabis oil and, and, and a mixture, which that was like a literal bomb that they would anoint people put in to put upon them. Um, so you have that aspect. And then the other guy, uh, it's more, uh, um, of, of your anatomy. Like it's literally in your, in your, in your balls, if you will, it's it, in, and you rise it up almost like the Kundalini energy. You raise it up the spine to 33rd degrees into the skull, the place where Christ was crucified, which is Golgotha. He died at 33, right? He, all of these, all of the symbolism. And then you have the Christ in the middle, and then you have the, the thief on one side who's asking for forgiveness, and then you have the thief on the other who's mocking. And so we don't totally have um, all of this universal law being played out on many different levels of reality. So you just mentioned the, the literal, a literal anointing oil. Um, I have um, like frankincense, literal oil. This is, a um, you know, we call it um, frankincense and, and myrrh anointing oil. It carries a fragrance with it. Um, and so we pray or breathe it in and smell it, you know, it, it does stuff to the body. It may, it relaxes you. It reminds you scents and fragrances, aromatherapy, anointing oil physically. Then, then you have it in your anatomy, literally in your, your body, um, the gospel, the Bible, all of it's, it has, if it, for any of that to be any truth, it has to be true on all of these realms. Uh, we also have the psychological, like what's taking place in the mind. And then we also have the uh, um, astrological, which is what's taking place in the stars or in the heavens and with the planets. And so the, those same stories are going through that and we're going through it. So these different realms of experience, my expertise with this would be the spiritual realm, uh, what's happening in you and around you spiritually with the anointing and how a person is anointed to have light within you. Literally um, there's so many instances in the Bible where the Christ is the light of the world. Um, the, you have the light of Christ shining in your heart. It talks about those who are dull and don't have any light, but they have great darkness inside of them. Um, then you have these other stories about the uh, parable of the 10 virgins. And uh, they had to bring oil, they had to keep filling their lamps throughout the night with oil. Because if they didn't, whenever the bridegroom came, they were getting ready for a wedding. And the bridegroom came, they wouldn't have any oil in their lamps to guide him through. So it's all of these people, the, uh, many of them were foolish not to continually add oil to make it through the dark night, to make it through the dark night of the soul. So this anointing oil comes from a process. It comes through 
are being crushed. That's how we get oil. So the, the way you get you know, olive oil is to take an olive, you crush it, you squeeze it, you pulverize it, and then the oil comes out. And the oil can be used to anoint, but the oil is used to light the lamps, so to keep the lamps burning. So as you're going through this alchemical spiritual process, you're receiving the anointing that is going to keep your inner flame burning. Your lamp will burn bright to uh, produce light for the creator to see you. Oh, that person, your good deeds, um, your alms, which is the deeds done that only God knows about. Nobody else knows. It's your deeds that are done in darkness, which is how you get oil. Um, When we get applause from charity work and people seeing what we do, that's your reward there. But to be a person who lives a, a secret life of in the darkness, you're doing good things because we know that we have and can do very bad things in the darkness and, and our imagination is in the darkness so much. So, so that oil that we're getting by going through this alchemical process is what's the light that's going to um, usher in presence of God, the spirit of God, the Holy spirit, uh, and help you get through the dark night. So to really have lamp in your oils, but the beautiful process of getting that lamp of going through the testing and the trial so that you can, you know, have oil that you have a bigger container to carry oil in, you know? And so it comes through crushing and, uh, that's the, the spiritual, um, analogy for me with the, with the anointing of, of Christ. Is it true on all of those levels? Yes. Cause we, we really quickly come into, even with syncretism, you have to pick one. Well, that guy said it was spiritual. Well, that guy said it was your anatomy. This guy said it was just a, a bomb they made. What if they're all true? And that's what the creator has shown me recently um, is that they're all, you have to, you have to quit, quit fighting. It's real on every realm of existence. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's where they all meet, you know, and how you integrate all the levels. So, wow, man, really impressive, really, really wise and insightful. And I'm subscribed. I'm looking forward to tuning in more and I hope that you join us on the Alt Media United podcast cooperative because I support you, brother. I think you're doing great work independently for yourself. You made that transition from, you know, normal life, working for the man, and now you're working on a mission. You're working for yourself and not just for yourself, but for the community and all the people that you share this knowledge with. So, dude. Thank you so much, Derek, for being here. And uh, one more time, can you tell everybody where they can tune in to the Truth Seeker show and uh, how they can support the show? For sure. Uh, man, thanks for having me, brother. Yeah. Uh, giving me the opportunity to share with your audience. Yeah. Um, go to truthseeker.com, truth, S-E-E-K-A-H.com, or type that on any place that you consume media and I'll pop up in uh, podcasts, music, videos, all that cool stuff. Go check it out. Yeah. And, and if you're listening on Spotify, go over and just type his name in. You'll find some albums that he's got out. Very cool stuff. So, dude, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And uh, yeah, like I said, keep on working on this and keep on spreading the light and the love. And God bless, man, because so you, far, you too. 
so far what i'm getting out of this is a lot of inspiration i'm ready to go meditate i'm ready to go i'm ready <laughs> go to study to, yeah that <laughs> too is in the books and yeah. i should say man there is something to that like when you really get pulled into a book i really resonate with that but thank you so much to everybody listening have a great moment wherever you are in the now all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in to this excellent episode of the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast big shout out to andre midi for suggesting truth seeker as a guest it was a great time talking to truth seeker aka derek uh, of course you can check him out at the truth seeker show wherever you're listening to this podcast as a matter of fact it's a podcast he's got a video version of the show he does and he's got a lot of cool stuff going on on his website of course you can find his music on spotify i hope you're not listening to this on spotify if you discover this podcast on spotify great that's what it's there for but really what we want you to do as an educated podcast listener is go out and get yourself a nice uncensored podcast app podverse podcast addict there's a whole bunch of them okay anyways enough about that truth seeker was great great to get to know him we had this episode planned a while back and we finally made it happen so very interesting stuff and he was kind enough to share his story thank you to everybody who is tuning in early on the patreon shout out to all you folks there'll be a new episode coming out in a few days with the new spirit animal names for everybody who's joined since the last episode so if you're listening to this a day later when it comes out on the rss feed just know you could have listened to this day this uh, a day sooner if you support the show for just two dollars three dollars four dollars it's up to you the more you pay the more you get we got all kinds of cool stuff on the patreon but for as little as three dollars you could support the show keep me doing this full time i'm trying to do this full time sometimes i gotta work odd jobs yeah that's right gotta work odd jobs to pay the bills around here folks okay this is not arkansas this is not florida this is not a cheap state to live. I don't actually even know if either of those states are cheap. I think Florida is, and I've heard Arkansas is, but I could be wrong. But either way, I'm in an expensive state right now, folks. So, gotta make some money. Gotta keep this podcast going. And the more folks who support the show by signing up on Patreon, watching the video version of the show on Rockfin, or even just sending a one-time donation... Uh, the sooner I can do things like fix my car transmission and get on the road and go do some fun events, make some cool content, all that good stuff. Uh, and, you know, the more time I have to dedicate to the show, because if I am not, <laughs> you know, able to make, you know, whatever the, the quote unquote, uh, you know, bill is the total bill for whatever month. And I gotta make up for that if I'm not making all of that through the podcast. And I'm not yet, but you know, this is a steady, steady growth. This is a steady process. So the more the show goes on, the better it gets. The more.
more support I get, the more resources I'm able to put into the show, time being one of the most valuable resources. Because like I said, if I can't spend my time doing the podcast, it's because I'm spending my time uh, working, you know, trying to make a couple dollars here and there. And I've been really, really lucky to have some, uh, well, one really cool dude reach out. Uh, Shout out to you, Rob. And he's been helping me out big time. He's got a a really cool business that he has and, uh, you know, doing real man's work. And yeah, it's kind of like a a cool apprenticeship. So I've been doing that on the side and that's fun. But that's been taking up some of my time, folks. And I would much rather, no offense to you, Rob, be, you know, committing that time to the podcast. And there will be a day when... That's all I do, but I'm sure you know I work for Sam Tripoli, so that helps, but anyways, you guys don't need to know or hear about my whole financial situation. Just support the show and keep this thing a moving and a shaking and going on two episodes a week, sometimes more. Come on, folks. How could you not support the show? Value for value, all the content I'm bringing you each week. Anyways... I'll get off the soapbox now. I got a really cool book in the mail recently by Michael Hoffman. Great, great author. Definitely recommend you check out his work. That's about it. Truth Seeker was great. We got some good episodes coming out this week. Um, uh, The next episode that's coming out is going to be really, really nuts, okay? I don't... Say in the intro or the outro of that episode, I definitely don't want to offend the guest. He's a very nice guy. I know he believes everything he's saying, but you know, I'll let you decide what you think as a listener because I, I have my judgments and you know, my family thinks I'm crazy, so who am I to tell you someone else is crazy? That would be a major fuck up if you ask me. But hey, we all have to draw the line somewhere, and as crazy as most people may think I am, uh, here I think I'm a pretty rational guy amongst our uh, open-minded community. So anyways, look forward to that. Definitely going to be a barn burner of a conversation. Uh, Not not my best interview in the sense of questions. Uh, I did ask some good questions, but you know this guy had a lot to say a lot to say and some people you know they just uh just really 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 (laughs) take over the conversation and as a host i gotta get better at doing that uh but anyways has nothing to do with truth seeker he was a great guest very easy to talk to um and so was upcoming guest not that it wasn't easy to talk to it's just uh you know as a host i'd hope that my guests let me interject when i need to interject and not just bulldoze over me but who knows maybe he didn't hear me not everybody wears headphones that's always a problem i hope all my guests wear headphones but uh you know sometimes people don't have headphones so but I think that when you have a headphone and headphones and a microphone, you tend to be more in tune with the conversation. Uh, you know when to you 
project and whatnot. So, you know, different styles for different people. This is my style. Anyways, I've already said enough. Hope you enjoyed this episode with the Truth Seeker. Be sure to support him. Uh, hopefully he'll get back to me with my email and he'll be on the alt media united website soon but uh yeah shout out to you brother thanks for joining me on the show and thank you for everyone who's listening i appreciate you and i hope you have a wonderful moment wherever you are in the next